This is the What Now Podcast. Scriptures and prayer and listening to BYU devotionals and um, general conference talks. And I had an experience that felt very directed towards an out of left field, directed towards law school and going into wanting to be an advocate, particularly for families. And so I am so grateful for that, what felt like clear direction. I came home and I ordered books to study for the LSAT, which is the entrance exam for, for law school. And off I went. This is the What Now Podcast, where we discuss the culture and beliefs in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in an honest and faithful way in an effort to encourage, uplift, and inspire. I am Mary Alice Hatch, your host. Join me as I speak with Shauna Doman as she shares the important aspects we need to focus on before our kids leave home and how to approach our second act with curiosity and confidence, leading us to renewed purpose. Today, I'm here with Shauna Doman. Welcome. Hi, Mary Alice. Thank you. Great to be here with you. I'm, I'm excited about this topic today. I'm glad to have you on here. I just, but before we start, I'd just like to invite you to take just a few minutes to share a little bit about yourself so listeners can get to know you better. Great. Happy to. Um, I live in Palo Alto, California. My husband and I have three children two uh i have twins who are 25 and a younger one is 23 and my daughter's married her twin brother is finishing up at byu my my daughter's done and married my um her twin brother is finishing up at byu and the younger one is also at byu and um like i said we live in palo alto but we go back and forth between utah and california and uh, get to visit the kids at BYU. And I work with a law firm in Utah doing estate planning. So I do wills and trusts and probate and estate administration with the firm Parsons, Bailey and Latimer and um, native Californian. So I love getting to have two beautiful places as part of our world. My husband is in tech and works remotely. So we get to kind of go back and forth together. So that's where yeah, we're at. For both worlds. Yeah, it is. It's been fun. Honestly, fall in Utah is so beautiful. I just got back last weekend. It's amazing. Yeah, it is spectacular. Well, let's jump into our conversation today because we're going to be talking about women in the church who have stayed home with their children. They've been completely dedicated to that incredible calling of motherhood, but they find it really difficult to transition when their kids leave home. And they're really left with a lot more time on their hands and may feel like they've lost their purpose and don't feel needed. I know I felt that as an empty nester when my last son left to go to Utah and I just had a lot of extra time and a lot <laughs> and a lot of things I wanted to do. I just wasn't sure how to do them. And you've done a really nice job kind of launching, um, but you started when your kids were still at home. So how was it helpful for you to go back to your master's while your kids were still at home? So when you left, you had something to go to. So I got my undergrad from BYU and other various institutions um, when I finished when my twins were just born. And um, at the time, I graduated psychology. And I knew that psychology was uh, undergrad standalone, not going to really provide much. So I knew I would need more education later and decided that that would be a great reentry at some point when my kids were older um, 
to go and get a master's and go into the field. So it was sort of this long-term thought that kind of came as a result of my undergrad degree. Um, when my kids were uh, getting older, uh, my husband, who is way better about seeing the future and anticipating worries than I am, was like, well, so we have three in a year and a half. Uh, so they're going to leave really, really quickly. And that is going to be a major change because mothering was my entire world. It was what I'd always wanted to do. And, um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but because I had three in a year and a half, it went really, really fast. I call it the swoosh. It just swooshed through. And, um, so because I knew that, because it was on my radar that there was, that it was going to be a, a pretty short experience, I sort of had a greater awareness of the of the absence of the kids and that it was coming quickly. And so I um, I had, I think, more anticipation, um, maybe um, consternation about it. And um, so because of that and the undergrad degree that I knew I would need to revisit, I decided to go back for a master's while my kids were in middle school. And, um, and I decided I would just do one, maybe two classes at a time and just kind of work along with them in school so that when they were done, I would be done with my degree as well. Um, and I, 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 I probably, I don't know if I would have come up with that early of a start on my own, but I was grateful for my husband to help me kind of get to that place. Um, so I think that being able to do it that way, it didn't feel as as threatening, I, I kind of was able to proceed from a, a place of peace and faith, and and therefore I didn't have that. Oh my gosh, they're gone! Panic. Um, so it was great to be able to um, calmly enter the process um, from a place of of peace and faith. Yeah, it was kind of nice that you were able to do that while your kids were at home, and then your kids seeing they're seeing you do that. We yeah, were really right outside yeah. each other. It was great. It was really great because I, I feel like I was a way better student as an adult than I was young. And so I, I feel like I was able to model for my kids some things that I would have loved to have incorporated into my um, studenthood earlier. I um, definitely, my second time around at schooling, I was way more into it and, and owned my education in a whole different way, which made it so much more fun. And so because of that approach, I feel like we were able to talk about what they were experiencing from the inside. It's not, you know, a lot of times you, your parents give you advice and you think, well, they have no idea what it's like anymore. And in some cases that's true, but, but because we were all cramming for finals together, we were all pushing towards uh, a degree together. It, it was really a fun experience to be able to be in it with them. Seriously. I mean, and then you're at an even higher level, a master's degree, which is even more taxing. It's kind of neat for them to see that you decided to kind of embrace that and model that for them. So they know when they're older, they can keep progressing. It's not the end when you're in college. I mean, I think, you know, when we're younger, we're on this faster timeline. We feel like we need to get through school quickly so we can get to work and build our careers, you know? And how can approaching education without that pressure of a structured timeline and go back to school just for the joy of learning? That's what I was hearing you say, like be an advantage as an older person. Yeah, it was it was so different to be in class with a lot of of young people who had just 
just finished their undergrad and went directly into a master's and especially a master's in counseling where life experience is incredibly valuable. And, um, and so I, I had this sort of set apart feeling. Um, there were other students in my program who were mature, but, um, but it, it was a lot of fun to be able to kind of be an example to the other students in the class and to also learn from them and, um, and to be approaching education for my learning, not necessarily for some end goal or, or daunting deadline of needing to get a job. So that was a, a huge privilege to be able to go to school with the intent to learn and see where it took me. Um, I think that I, I was never very into science, but I turns out love experiments. And so the experiment of take some classes, see if you can do it, take another class, see if you can do the next one. And it was this building of um, when I first started, I had to read lines, paragraphs eight times to be able to get them to stay in my head. The, the motherhood monkey mind of having to do a million things at once is not terribly conducive to sit down and, and absorb yourself into a book. And that transition was, uh, was difficult, but because I was taking one class at a time and I wasn't necessarily about some huge deadline, I really was able to just be patient with myself and um, enjoy the process. Yeah, I like how you're taking your time to do it and enjoying learning for the sake of learning. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I that's one of our core tenets, one of our beliefs that we're here to learn and experience new things and so I was keenly aware of that the whole time that this is one of life's goals and I was just telling a friend um I feel like every single person should get to take at least some master psychology classes because humans are complex and to be able to sit in class, especially again, as a mature person and see how useful this information is. And by the way, how some of it is not so useful to have that perspective of, oh, this really resonates with me. And this really doesn't. And to be able to feel the confidence as a, as a mature person, to be able to take this information and not necessarily take it all as quote gospel and to kind of, kind of have a meter to um, weigh it against and say, oh, I really love this piece of this, but these things I'm going to leave behind. It'd probably be interesting going back and getting a master's in psychology as a person in your like late 40s, 50s, because mm -hmm. you've had so much life experience. And you can say, actually, this isn't accurate. <laughs> this is totally it accurate. It really was. It was because I had my undergrad in psychology. It was crazy to think about the comparison of taking it as a younger person, just sort of pushing through to, to get the degree and then taking classes as an older person with the mindset of educating myself for the purpose of educating myself, not necessarily for the paper, um, the crossing the line, uh, you know, in at graduation, that kind of thing. So it was a whole, it was a very different feeling. And the, the material therefore was, um, was received very differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you went back to school to get your master's in counseling, but then you decided to change direction and go into law. So when you're already older and now you're going to have to go back to school for three more years, that would seem so daunting. Like, how did you get the courage to make that change? So I, um, that kind of came as a surprise. So um, I was pursuing my master's to get a marriage and family therapy license. 
and intending to go into, at the outset, I thought I wanted to be a high school counselor. That was kind of my, in my 20s thought. Um, I'd had some bad experiences with high, high school counselors and thought, this is a field that needs some help. So I sort of started back with that kind of a, a framework. And uh, as I proceeded, I was I was less and less enchanted with um with me as a therapist. I absolutely believe in therapy. It is valuable and, and precious and priceless and so important. But um, there was a panel that came to school and, and one of the panelists talking about um, being a career psychologist, she said, I remember driving home from, from work one night and she worked at a battered women's shelter. And she said, I looked over and there was a pedestrian walking by and I had the thought he's so lucky. He doesn't know the things I know. And I just thought, wow, that is so hard to be able to sit with the things that people tell you, the hard, hard things that they're experiencing in their life. And I don't know if this is going to be my area. I think I'd rather be the pedestrian and not know. So, um, so that was kind of going on in my mind. At the same time, my husband took a job um, running a company in Omaha and my youngest was graduating from high school. So we were going to be heading um, I was going to be heading to join him in Omaha full-time. He was going back and forth while our youngest was finishing high school. And uh, marriage and family therapy doesn't really cross state lines. You sort of have a curriculum per state. So I was at a time of figuring out, do I what, what do I do here? Um, and, and really asking a lot of questions, as I imagine a lot of your listeners have been asking, what next? What now? What's going to be um, the right thing for me to be doing, um, you know, I imagine many are like me, absorbed in motherhood. So, um, so what what's left after that kind of a thing? So I was asking a lot of questions and um, scriptures and prayer and listening to BYU devotionals and um, general conference talks. And I had an experience that felt very directed towards an out of left field, directed towards law school and going into wanting to be an advocate particularly for families. And so I am so grateful for that, what felt like clear direction. Um, I came home and I ordered books to study for the LSAT, which is the entrance exam for, for law school. And off I went. Um, my husband ended up finishing the job in Omaha and moving back here to California. I went to school in San Francisco for my law degree. And, um, and so it went a lot of different directions, and, and I should add that since then, there have been many other questions that I have not gotten a clear answer on. And I've, I've developed a testimony of our agency and Heavenly Father saying, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> so, um, so I think it's a mix. I think there's times that there's an answer for us. And I think there's other times where it's like, start doing what you, what sounds good to you, what sounds interesting to you. And so that's been my process. And, uh, but getting back to your question about switching to law school, I um, I was very nervous about law school. Law school is uh, difficult, and people drop out all the time. And um, but I I again because I had the advantage of feeling like this was was my direction. It um, really helped me stick to it. Had I not done the masters in counseling, the law school would have eaten me alive. Um, I met with the the dean of our law school met with every incoming student um, at the beginning of the year, and he he was actually very discouraging to me. <laughs> he said, 
well, we've had other mature students return to school. And I have to say, it's really, really difficult. And you may not make it, but you, but you'll, you know, we hope, we hope you have a good experience. And I left there feeling like, oh, he thinks I am dropping out next by next semester. He's convinced that I am not going to make it. And so it was actually so fantastic because it just lit a fire in my belly and I'm like, oh, I'm going to show you. And, um, yeah, watch me. Exactly. So, but again, I, because I had that building block of my master's, I didn't have to read things eight times anymore. My mind had been prepared so that when I hit law school, I was at a different place than when I had started my master's. And so I feel like not only was it a valuable education in the master's in its own, but, um, but it has continued to inform not just my study skills through law school and taking the bars, but also in the way that I'm working with clients now and the way that I work with people in my life, my family, all of that. So it's, it was a hugely valuable education. No, seriously. Like with wills and estates, you probably use your counseling degree all the time. It is being, it's very active. Yeah. And, and that is, I took a wills and trust class in school, just thinking it would be for preparation for the bar and ended up absolutely loving it and feeling like, wow, this is, this is a place where I can help families to avoid conflict at the beginning, at the end, through the process, think about how they're going to leave a legacy or not for their children. Um, help them think about charitable giving and the, the opportunities that that can be in place on an estate plan because um, it's not necessarily the best thing to leave a ton of money for your children. So, um, so it's been wonderful to have the confidence of an education that has helped me to work with families um, psychologically and also um, strategically for estate planning. Seriously. I mean, I just think there's a lot of emotion connected to an estate plan and what you want for your kids and maybe anticipating some drama when you pass over all the things that you're putting in your will. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine because I actually just went through this whole process of doing my estate mm. and it's, it's kind of stressful. So to have someone with a background in counseling is probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been very useful. I have a lot of people call with, um, family drama and helping just to help them get to a place of peace and calm as much as they can. Um, and, uh, just a listening ear and also anticipating, as you say, anticipating the things that might go wrong and, and kind of helping to dig some of those out. You know, I think that we, we have these ideas that things are going to be smooth and great, but, um, there's a lot of history around to show, money and relationships can be very difficult to manage. So it's absolutely the counseling comes in every day. Now, it's interesting too, getting a master's in counseling kind of prepared you academically for a law degree. You know, if you just jumped straight from motherhood into law school and you were describing having to read things over and over to process it, mm -hmm. and there's so much reading in law that would have been so overwhelming. So these things can be stepping stones and not have to feel like, oh my gosh, I just wasted all this time getting a master's and I want to switch to something else and feel like it can be kind of defeating. Instead, it can be just one of those stepping stones. Yeah, I think going back to that idea of just the experimentation of, of life, I think that we have this, again, we based on our beliefs of why we're here, where we're going, we have the advantage of being able to see that this is not the end, 
This is, uh, this is the process. And the more we can learn about ourselves and the world and other people here, the better off we're going to be here and after. And so, um, so being able to, uh, have patience with the process and understand that whether it leads to where you exactly thought it was going to or not, you're, you're learning the whole way you're gathering information. I think that oftentimes we don't land where we think we're going to land from the beginning. And so recognizing that that's actually true. And some people, you know, if they, if they go into from undergrad into the career world, they have, they have the time in their twenties to be working through those changes. Um, but there is absolutely nothing that says you can't still be working through those changes your entire life. I have a friend who, um, she was a nurse and then she decided she was done with that. So she went to law school. She became a lawyer. She, she was decided she was done with that. Then um, she was taking a break. And during her break was determined that she was going to go hunt a bear. So <laughs> I loved her approach to life. That so random. It just, you know, something struck her fancy. And she was like, let's go fancy that. And, um, and, and actually letting yourself take the journey and recognize that there's goodness all along the way, that the process is part of the fun. Um, I, I said for many years while I was getting my master's and then, um, and then my law degree, I kept saying, well, I just haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up. And I was in my late forties. I started law school when I was 50. So or graduated from law school when I was 50. So, um, so I, I think thinking that there's some time and place, some time bound, um, situation where you can experiment is totally wrong. I feel like that's what life is about. And, and it's about experiences and, and being really patient with yourself in the process and, and understanding that each piece builds on itself. Is huge. It's so true. And I feel like in the midlife, we're in the middle of a novel, right? Like we have chapters in our lives. This is just a new chapter. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the best way to think about it. There's a uh, Bob Goff is a great Christian author who is my daughter's absolute favorite. And um, he talks about that, that, that we sometimes like to, like, we, we think that, that we're in the middle of, that what's going on is the whole book. And um, when you can kind of bind it to a chapter and recognize this chapter will end and you'll start the next chapter and um, it keeps it, um, keeps life new and exciting. I think that you're, you're developing into who you're going to become, not, not just what am I going to be when I grow up, but who do, who do I want to be when I'm done here? And each of these experiences builds who you are. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I totally agree. You know, I think that our relationships with each other um, are so enriching. Um, I know that people have been like, like my friend, the bear hunter, people have been um, really inspiring to me. I, I, met a friend, um, my first year of law school, my first semester. And I was approaching finals when I met her and she had graduated years ago from law school. And, um, and she was asking me questions and she said, so how you think you're going to do on finals? And I was like, well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not like going into big law or something. I don't need to get the top class to, you know, um, marks in, in, in each of my classes. And she said, well, but do you think you could? And I had really just been sort of in this mediocre, um, get my degree mode. 
And she really challenged me. And I was like, huh, well, wouldn't that be fun to see what what could I do here? And, um, and with that challenge, I was able to push myself to a new level that, that that in itself was a really fun aspect of law school to just sort of see what, what are you made of? What can you come up with? How, how can this go for you? Instead of just the, well, I made it because I got into law school. It was like, okay, well now the next big hurdle, like keep giving yourselves big hurdles. It's, it's exciting to, to challenge yourself. It's exciting. It can be very daunting. Um, I, I am been doing this job since January and I love it, but it's a lot of new stuff. And there are mornings that I wake up and think, okay, I'm done with the new. Can't I just know something? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that process of, of making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, of pushing yourself to new, uh, new knowledge, to new abilities is so enlivening. It's so enriching and it keeps you interesting. And it is so enlivening too. When you overcome a challenge, especially like the dean who's kind of like trying to demote you a little bit, like as an older person, like good luck, you're probably not going to make it type of thing. Yeah. And that you, in your mind, made a switch to, oh no, I'm going to make it. Like, I love that you didn't back down, but almost it just propelled you forward to really achieve it. It was totally a challenge that he threw down. And then that combined with my friend, I graduated in the top 10% of my of my school. So um, I had no intent to, to try to kind of show it like that when I went into school. So it was really fun to um, see what I could do and to push myself in that way and then have like a, a triumph. Because when I was a younger student, I, I definitely was not was not focused on that. I, I did well in high school. I got to college and I sort of was like, well, I just want to get done. I didn't, I didn't focus on um, accomplishing there. So it was fun to bring that back again. Yeah, I love the word triumph. That's so true. It's like a little <laughs> triumph, <laughs> like yeah. a little award ceremony for yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and I think that's so fun that what you just said for yourself. Like doing these things for yourself is is so enriching. It's so um it, it's it feels so good and you don't need the gold stars from anyone else. You you just you can just do a little dance in your head like yes, I did that. And it feels so good. No, it's true. It's so fulfilling. I mean, even, you know, after I do it like a podcast, I practically click my heels, you know, like it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome what you're doing. I have loved listening to the past podcasts that you've created here. What an array of interesting people and varied topics. And it's fun because I was listening on Apple Podcasts and it just runs from one to the next as I'm going around and doing chores and things. And, and it's so fantastic, the array of guests that you have on and the things that I was able to just aha learn as, as I just got to listen to past podcasts. So thank you for bringing these to us. These are great. Oh, I'm so glad you're a part of it. Thank you. No, it's fun. It's fun when you kind of find your calling because then it doesn't feel like work. It's just so enlivening. It's so enriching. It's fun. It is. It is tons of fun. And and I think also recognizing that it does feel uncomfortable and that's okay too, that, that new things feel uncomfortable, but they won't for very long. You'll get better at it. And then you'll look around and, and, and people will be coming to you for questions, for answers, and, and you will have them. And it's so exciting <laughs> to, <laughs> did, uh, um, my husband is this um, mid-singles bishop here and I um, was asked to do a class for the single 
single adult conference, um, Northern California conference that was just a couple weeks ago. And, um, and it was so fantastic to lead this conference and to have way more information than I had time to share. And the questions that came, I was able to confidently answer. And so, yes, I have the mornings where I feel like, oh, I have so much to learn. But then I also um, have the times where I have a lot of answers and I am loving the, the expertise that I'm developing. And um, the fact that, you know, at 52, I'm, I am adding expertise and knowledge and experiences and, and um, new things on the regular is not what I would have seen for myself, but so grateful for it. That's so great. And I think it's really important too. Like we hear the word curiosity a lot, a lot of times with life coaches, a lot of these coaches I've interviewed talk about that. And at first it was like a little confusing to me, the curiosity thing. But when you think about it and you get curious about what you want to do or what you like or what your interests are, maybe what your past interests were, and if that even relates to you now, and you're just thinking through it, it actually helps you dissolve a lot of the fear and shift you into a better place where you're trying to just like get curious about yourself and what you like, and then things start coming forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think one of the things that I, when I was trying to decide if I was going to go back for my master's in psychology, it was kind of a, okay, this is what I've always said. Is this really what I want to do? And um, so I was kind of searching, I don't know if you, if you remember that, what color is your parachute idea? <laughs> that was like a, a life coaching um a uh, career coaching kind of book that was was around a, a number of years ago. I don't know if it's still being used, but this idea of taking a test and find out your aptitudes and things like that. So I was I was pursuing before my master's um, what should that direction be? And again, once I finished, decided to finish my master's because we were maybe going to be moving, um, I I had all sorts of tactics that I was coming up with of okay, pick up the newspaper. What what columns are you particularly interested in? So trying to really hone, I think, again, because um, careers as a mother is all about not you. And and then in thinking about what you're going to do when the kids leave, it's all about you. And, and it's not what we've been oriented to, and it's not what we've had time for. And so I think that curiosity approach where you are you're spending some time to figure out what it is at this stage in life that, that interests you. I mean, I think it's something like 80% of, of people after an undergrad do not work in the field that their study was in. And, and so recognizing like, it doesn't have to be anything related to what you did your undergrad in. It doesn't have to be anything related to what you thought you wanted to do when you grew up. You get to start anew, start afresh, be curious about who you are now and what you want your life to look like. And um, I'm reading a book right now that is fascinating called Designing Your Life. It's two professors at um, at Stanford who have offered this class for years. And that idea of, of being really purposeful about what kind of life do you want to build? Um, I am able to work uh, remotely at my job. I work in the office in, in Utah the first week of the month. And if we're there other times and then, and then do remote the rest of the month. And it allows me a flexibility that I would not have foreseen. Um, but I knew when it came time to look for a job that that was going to be really important to me. I wanted to still be available for going when it was time to go and for, um, being at the places that, you know, where my kids were having things going on and, um, 
being there for callings at church or family needs or whatever it might be. Um, I wanted to have that flexibility. So in thinking about designing my life, although I didn't call it that at the time, I love this book, this idea of really settling into who you are and what you want out of this next phase of life. I think, I think it's almost hardest when you, um, when the world is totally wide open to you, like how do you go to a decision from that point? And so being curious with yourself, giving yourself time, starting to notice yourself, what, what interests, what interests you, what catches your attention? What, what do you feel like you would could talk on and on about with a friend? Um, starting to, um, turn, turn the focus back on yourself, just about helping you figure out what's going to be next. Um, is is counterintuitive to what our careers as mothers have been. So I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's that's really well said. And it's true. I just feel like I, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently as you approach being an empty nester? Um, so I think that uh, this is something that actually went went right and i and i share this because of an experience that another friend of mine had she and her husband had a lot of kids and once she felt like the youngest had reached an age where she could finally go um i am in palo alto sort of urban sometimes so here we have a uh emergency vehicle passing so apologies for the background noise um (laughs) Anyway, she uh, she and her husband finally got away on a vacation, two-week trip to Europe. And at the end of the first week, she, she was so sick of him. They'd had so many years of him focusing on his career and her focusing on the kids, and they had not had much time for each other. And um, at the end of that first week, she was so sick of him. She said, if we are going to fly home together, I'm going to head off for the second week of our vacation without you. I'll see you at the airport in a week. And they went their separate ways for the second week of their Europe vacation together. And years later, um, she was telling me about the experience. And they are fabulous people who put the time into their relationship, healed their relationship, enjoy each other again, and have a fantastic marriage. But um, she was saying, you know, life can take over your relationship. And it's really important to um, build that together. Um, So I've, I've heard it said before that you should... Um, for your relationship, you should take a night every week together, a weekend every month together, and a week every year together. That's a lot more ambitious than most of us have time for. But um, but I kind of like having sort of a framework to um, think about the time that you're spending together so that when the kids leave, you're not strangers to each other saying, go away, I'll see you in a week in our Europe trip. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I, uh, were not able to have children for many years. And, um, and while that was an excruciating process, it did provide us a lot of time to um, spend together. And we were able to really develop a friend a relationship of, of fun and faith where as hard as that was, we, we stuck in it together. Um, and we also had a lot of wonderful, fun experiences over that time of trying to bring our kids into our into our family. And, um, I think because of that, when my kids were approaching, you know, later high school and, um, and leaving the nest, I was getting pretty panicked 
And uh, all three of them were away for something one weekend. And it was just my husband and I, and we had so much fun. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I am so going to miss my kids. This has been such a fabulous highlight of life. But turns out I really love my husband and we're going to have a lot of fun together being on sort of a permanent date. And, um, and we really have empty nesting together has been so much fun. Um, he just took a new job in, in tech with a startup and I am starting my career in estate planning. And, uh, we joke that we're starting all over again and should go get an apartment and get pregnant, not get an apartment, but, um, <laughs> but it's fun to be doing it together. And so I think that I, I feel like that's something that, um, that I'm really grateful for. So I would say emphasizing the relationship that you have with your husband, if you're married to, to be able to look forward to the time with him and not just be afraid of kids leaving and and the emptiness that that can feel. Um, Looking, looking forward. um, My husband and I have a practice of like, okay, zoom in on what's going on right now and then zoom out to in 10 years, what is this, what are we going to look back and think, oh, you really should have done this or that. Because I think sometimes um, situations can bring a lot of fear with them and, um, and stepping out of that and going up to a, in 10 years, what will I think about what I'm going through right now can give some clarity and some perspective and some peace. And um, so thinking about your kids leaving the nest, um, being being in a position of, I have a lot of time, what am I going to do with that? Put yourself in 10 years, what will you look back and, and think, oh, actually, I had a lot more health than I realized at the time, or actually, I had a lot more energy or, um, you know, it, I think it for, for us, for my husband and I both, it's been able to um, help us have a better outlook on what what we should be doing now to create the life we want in 10 years and also to create the, the situation where we can look back and say, yep, you did, you did as much as you could with what you had at the time um, looking back. So you bring up some really important points here. So not neglecting your relationship yeah. because I do see that a lot. I mean, yeah. I'm seeing that with some of my friends now, like they're looking at their husband, like, I don't want to, I don't think I want to be with this guy. <laughs> like when my kids are gone, <laughs> like, I don't think I even know this person. Like they travel a ton, they've got intense jobs or whatever. They're not really around right. and then they're around all the time and they're like, Oh boy, you know, so yeah. you got to, you do, you need to work on that relationship mm-hmm. early on. I like what you were saying there too. It's critical. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And it can be wonderful or it can be super not. And um, and I think it it requires time and sacrifice. And my um, my brother-in-law, this is going off in a different direction, but my brother-in-law wrote a book um, called The 100 Day Promise about a, a situation that he had with my sister. And um and they had they had an argument and he was so angry and was just at wit's end and and asked what am i supposed to do with this and he received the answer to serve her for 100 days and um and it's this beautiful book about his experience of serving her for 100 days based on an argument like how hard is that to do that's the last thing you would want to do when you are in the midst of an argument but he he faithfully did it and has written a book about his experience. And every day there's a quote um, 
often from church leaders. It's a, it's a, an inspiring book, but I, I really appreciated reading that book because um, it's clear that, that it's in our hands to change our relationship with each other. It is, it is within our possibility, but it does take focus. It takes working with the Lord. Um, whether your relationship's in a great or not great place, it's, it's changeable. We're all changeable, and so are our relationships. So recognizing if it's not what you want, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're making an important point too because you do grow to love people that you serve. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a fascinating process to to read this book and to think about. Um, there's one day where he brings my sister flowers, and my sister is not being fabulously wonderful at this time, and he brings her these flowers because that's that day's service for her. And I literally, this is, this is putting myself out there. I literally was like, well, my husband, husband hasn't brought me flowers in a while. And a couple of days reading later in the book, I was like, huh, what have I done for my husband lately? And I was able to really like go from a place of sort of blame and self reflect <laughs> to, to this place of, oh, turns out he's actually doing so great. And you're being really, um, non-appreciative. And, uh, and it was this, I, I needed to come to that myself, that realization and, um, and, uh, and step it up myself. But it, it was interesting to see myself go from a, from a whiny place to a, oh, actually, he's doing actually really great. You need to step it up. So, um, so I, I, I just think there's, there's endless resources around us to be able to self-reflect and to be able to um, get some help to um, put the focus on our relationships like we can and should. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I loved everything that we talked about. It's important to really focus on what we care about, what we love even before our kids leave home, and that not to, not to be afraid to make changes, not to be afraid to shake things up, and that we can trust in the process and that it will work out for our good if we are putting in the work and partnering with God. Thank you for listening to the What Now podcast. Please share this episode with family, friends, and anyone you think it might help. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to leave a positive rating and written review, which really helps the podcast to grow and brings these important messages to more people. If you're on Instagram, follow us at Podcast What Now for inspirational messages and highlights from our past and present episodes. We never say goodbye. We say what now. This has been a What Now podcast production.